Hello and welcome to the ESI Water Awareness Podcast, designed to fall within Open Week and hopefully to become an annual staple. I'm pleased that we have content from Bigger, England Golf, Golf Environment Organisation and the Royal and Ancient, making up the golf side of the equation, all underlining the essential nature of the work that we need to do going forwards to build in water resilience to the golf sector. And we have significant content from the Water Companies and Environment Agency. The data that we do have would allow us at least to have an estimate for the sort of volumes that we're talking about in terms of the amount of irrigation water consumed by the golf industry in England. Based on the figures that we have, something in the order of 76,000 megalitres of water are consumed in England by the 1900 golf clubs. To bring that into maybe a, a little bit more perspective for you, that's 76 million cubic metres of water per year. And of that, based on the figures that we have for potable mains use being the primary source of irrigation within golf, that would mean nearly 52 million cubic metres of water are taken from public's main supply, so potable drinking water, and used to irrigate golf courses in England. Now, in terms of the area of water stress, as we very broadly described as the, the area south of the, the line from uh, the wash across to the Bristol Channel, we have something in the order of 1,100 golf clubs of the 1,900 clubs that are affiliated to England Golf located within that area of water stress. And we have the, the added complication with that that over the next 25 years, we are looking to that area as hosting the greatest increase in population across the entire country. I don't believe that there's going to be anybody listening to this podcast who would think anything other than the fact that we appear at least to be seeing changes in our climate. We're certainly seeing heavier rainfall events at different times of the year. And we're, we're now in a situation where we seem to be flipping fairly frequently between periods of increased heat and heading towards drought, but certainly low rainfall totals into periods where there are significant Atlantic storms coming in, creating very significant rainfall events and leading to flooding. Some of you may have come across the National Water Framework Strategy, which has been drafted and was published by the Environment Agency in March. This document is designed to try and understand the varying demands on our water resource and also to understand where that demand may be satisfied given the changing weather patterns that we are experiencing and also the distribution of water that is available across the UK. I've already made mention of the fact that there is a significant proportion of uh, expanded or expansion of population that we're expecting within the southeast region which is already a, an area of water stress. So the purpose of the National Water Strategy was to try and understand the changing weather patterns, how that's going to inf uh, affect our available water and where the demand is likely to come from over the next 25 years. As part of the process, the Environment Agency undertook a significant and wide-ranging consultation with industry and Environmental Solutions, attended a number of the consultation events and provided some input during the process looking at the golf and leisure sector. At this stage, I won't go any further into the water strategy as we have Water Resource East, one of the five water groups 
uh, set up between the environment agency and water companies to implement the national strategy at a local level, who will go into it in a little bit more detail. To round off the introduction and a little bit of the background to this podcast, I think it might be helpful to underline the fact that there is help available, that the golf industry hasn't been left to its own devices, but it is concerning to the water industry and to ESI that there seems to be a a lack of understanding and a lack of engagement generally from the golf industry. We're in a situation where we have an understanding that there is a problem facing us. The water that we have been using has been used in an unsustainable way and we're having to look at how that might have to be reallocated going forward to satisfy future demand from population but also to maintain our natural environment. And the golf industry is going to have to take some action to move away from the use of water that it has at the moment and to try and build in resilience. And at this stage, I think it might be helpful if I hand over to Steve Isaac, the Sustainability Director at the Royal and Ancient, to explain a little bit about Golf Course 2030. Golf Course 2030 was introduced by the RNA to the industry to promote the development of a roadmap and a programme of research, education and communications for mitigating the impact of climate change, resource constraints and regulation on the condition and playability of our golf courses. The intention is that Golf Course 2030 contributes towards building greater resiliency in our golf courses and the adaptability in their management to cope with these challenges. Industry stakeholders have shaped this initiative, prioritising issues and playing a part in approving projects. Drought and water availability have been identified by industry stakeholders and by the golf facility management team through a survey undertaken by Sports Marketing Surveys to be one of the most serious threats to golf course condition and playability, particularly for those based in South East England. A number of the Golf Course 2030 projects that have been awarded recognise this. Water, and by this we mean managing drought and flooding, is the subject of one of 14 Golf Course 2030 projects currently underway, which have received funding from the RNA. Other projects of relevance to water awareness include projects on sustainable options for disease, pest and weed management, grass selection, and educating the greenkeeping workforce in what may be a paradigm shift in course management. More information on Golf Course 2030 can be found at the RNA website www.randa.org forward slash sustainability forward slash Golf Course 2030. So the RNA are funding numerous projects to look at the impact of climate change on the golf industry and hopefully it won't be too long before we see the results of their efforts. Now, for the last 12 months, ESI have been working closely with Bigger to help and advise on sustainability But a lot of the conversations that we've been having more recently have been in and around the availability of water and the importance of building resilience into any golf course's plan for a sustainable future. Here's Jim Croxton from Bigger. It's a very serious concern that so many of the UK's golf courses are reliant on mains water. That that supply is going to be far less reliable for golf in the future. We've had many warnings over the years, but the pace of change is still far too slow. 
Golf clubs must look to the future. They must make long-term plans and secure reliable sources of water to ensure their golf courses are playable for years to come. We at Bigger work very closely with Tony Hansen at ESI, and I'm grateful for the support that he gives to our members and to the clubs that they work at. Greenkeepers are very, very aware of this issue, but it must move up the agenda at golf clubs and the whole of the golf industry. ESI has also been working very closely with England Golf over the past few years along similar lines to Bigger. Here is Rob Drinkwater from England Golf. It's been uh, it's been great speaking with Tony over the last few months to really start to understand you know some of the potential impacts of um, water sustainability on the golf industry and you know how that will affect our clubs going forwards. You know, it's, as England Golf, it's important we we listen, we take notes, and we educate ourselves because we need to pass that on to clubs to educate them around not only the potential impacts but also there's some real opportunities out there for clubs as well. So, you know, in addition to reducing and offsetting the environmental impacts, but um, there's also opportunities for clubs to consider potential cost saving implications, um, as well as really retaining and enhancing one of their most valuable assets, you know, the course. So in the coming months, yeah, the plan is really to, to continue to work with partners like ESI and Tony to raise the profile of the subject and really to get the conversation started. It may seem quite a daunting conversation for some clubs, and indeed ourselves, but that's why we have a number of partners out there and we plan to say to, to engage and work with those industry partners to, to encourage clubs to ask those questions, to reach out and, and take advantage of the help on offer. So we have RNA Research, we have Bigger and England Golf saying the same things, that water is an issue that the golf industry has to look very closely at going forward. Here is Jonathan Smith from Golf Environment Organisation. So as part of our work to accelerate sustainability in golf around the world, we see a lot of pressure mounting in terms of water resource management. Uh, it's hitting crisis point in many regions, such as Australia, South Africa, parts of the US and Central America, and across North Africa and the Mediterranean. But the urgency for reduction in demand and efficiencies and diversification of supplies is definitely spreading up through Europe and into a growing number of parts of the UK clubs could start to look even further into more non-irrigated areas, waste grounds, natural vegetation, uh, open uh, sand, uh, scrubby areas, for example. And in some climates, for I think for certain levels, of course, um, we may as a sector even have to look into, for example, non-irrigated dyed sand courses, um, which have the impression of being grass, but are, are not actually not irrigated uh, or turf at all. Uh, I think I think some of those options are going to have to be looked at if, if we follow the trends that we're seeing. And I think we can learn from some of these experiences around the world, uh, maybe on a few different levels. One would be strategically, you know, how can sectors and regulators come together in advance as proactively as possible to put the frameworks in place that will avoid sudden and unexpected restrictions that will give sectors a bit of time to make changes and adapt and that will help with things like demand scheduling and conflict avoidance. Uh, a lot of the trends are clear, um, so I think a lot of the predictions can be made. And I think following on from that, um, another important area would be to look at the seasonality of supply at more of a catchment level. Um, you know, what schemes could golf engage in that would help enable the storage of excess winter precipitation, perhaps even alleviate flooding in the process, and that would also create summertime reservoirs for supply. I think there's a big question here in terms of the potential naturalness of these systems. 
So we have a consensus within the golf industry that water as a resource is going to become shorter in supply and that we need to use it as efficiently as we possibly can and seek alternative sources of water wherever possible. In addition to the work that ESI has been doing with the golf industry over the last four or five years, we've also been working very hard and engaging with the environment agency, water companies and the regional water groups. Hi, my name is Dr. Robin Price and I'm the Managing Director of Water Resources East. Water Resources East is one of five regional planning groups operating as part of a national framework for water resources, which was newly published by the Environment Agency back in March 2020. And there are regional planning groups covering the north of England, the west, the southeast, uh, the west country and our region in the east. And we cover a region from the Humber Bank, including Nottinghamshire, all the way down to, to the Hertfordshire border um, and round into Essex and just north of London. Uh, the role of regional groups is, is essentially to produce regional plans, regional strategies and regional plans. And what we are seeking to do uh, to collectively, all five regional groups, is over the next uh, two years is to develop and publish a draft regional plan working with all water users. So working with water companies, local authorities, the energy and agricultural sectors, landowners, environmental organisations and, and the leisure sector. And what we want to do is produce plans which will kind of, which will kind of provide a roadmap, a, a vision for, for water management and water management strategies through to the 2050s and beyond. And what we're seeking to do with these plans is increase the level of resilience for water resources for all sectors and indeed the environment to deliver wider benefits in terms of flood risk, river flow and water quality. Importantly, we want to make sure that water, either too much or not enough, uh, doesn't act as a barrier to economic development in the region so, so organisations can flourish because water is not getting in their way. We need to identify opportunities uh, and delivery mechanisms mechanisms for restoration and enhancement of the environment and we want to think around how we can explore uh, the water related elements of other key regional strategies and plans and we want to do all of this whilst providing academically rigorous evidence to policymakers. Now, Eastern England, if I can just, just, just focus a bit more locally on, on the region that we are looking at at the moment. Eastern England is very interesting and very diverse in terms of the, the, the water, the way water is used uh, across the region. Um, and, and in our region, 85% of the water uh, which is abstracted is used for public water supply, which means that 15% is used for other purposes. Um, if we contrast that with kind of London and the southeast, where 97% of all the water abstracted is used for public water supply. So we've got a slightly different planning problem to, to other parts of the, of the country. And of the 15% of water which is used not for public water supply, over half of that is used for spray irrigation. So, And again, given the, the landscape of eastern England, most of that is used for, for crops and for growing food. But a big proportion of that is used for it to irrigate golf courses, leisure, leisure, pitch, leisure facilities and, and other sports pitches. Other water is used for power generation and in the manufacturing food and drink sectors. And if we look forward to the 2050s, which is kind of the, the current planning horizon for us, we are predicting a very large gap between the amount of water that we will need and the amount of water which is going to be available in our region. And currently, we're predicting that that will be somewhere between just over 500 and somewhere just north of 1,600 megalitres, million litres of water per day. And to give you a bit of context on that, that's enough drinking water to supply between 3.7 and 11.5 million uh, domestic customers with water. So there's a lot of water uh, missing from our region uh, by the 2050s. And the drivers behind this, these the, the big drivers behind, behind this gap, 
gap are obviously climate change, uh, the need to reduce to take less water from the environment to protect to protect it and restore it, growth. Uh, we're a very high growth region here in the east. Uh, drought resilience uh, and also a, a predicted growth in the amount of water which is going to be needed for irrigation as as, as agriculture uh, and and other sectors think around their future water needs. So we've developed a a kind of fairly uh, a fairly comprehensive strategy for the region, which we are now turning into our plan. And the first part of our strategy is absolutely around you know uh, promoting the need for additional storage of water within the landscape. So from individual you know individual ponds irrigation reservoirs, water features, uh, right the way through to, to very large uh, landscape scale uh, public water supply and other and multi-sector to reservoirs. We need to move water around the region more effectively. So we want to think around how we use open water channels. And this brings a real opportunity to link in with flood risk strategies and to provide biodiversity and habitat benefits. We want to think very carefully how land and water are used more effectively. So how can we increase the level of resilience uh, for, for the land that we all depend on for, 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 for many, of our, many of our purposes. Um, and we want to think around how and where abstraction is having a detrimental impact on the environment and what can we do to reverse that. And we need to think about as well we can't close our minds to to alternative sources of water such as desalination and effluent uh, effluent reuse and perhaps not effluent reuse right the way back to drinking water but certainly how can we use effluent reuse treat it in a way that is then suitable to be uh, to be used for irrigation but before we do any of this, we have absolutely got to relentlessly focus focus on water efficiency. Before we build anything, uh, before we do anything differently, we've all, as all water users across our region and indeed nationally, we've got to satisfy ourselves that we are being as efficient as we can possibly be with this very, very precious resource. And this goes for farmers irrigating crops. This goes for uh, this goes for food manufacturers producing food, for power stations, for all of us in our homes and businesses, but also for the leisure sector as well in terms of the amount of water which is being used to, to irrigate uh, to irrigate uh, sports pitches and so on. So we're really keen to find organisations uh, within our region and I know my colleagues and other regional groups will be absolutely delighted to hear from other, re- other from organisations who, who are really proud of what they're doing uh, with respect to water efficiency and water management more generally. And what we want to really do is shine a light on the art of the possible. What is possible uh, when you think really hard around kind of the way water is managed within a site or within a course? And then what we then want to do is work with others who are to identify ways in which they might become even more water efficient than they are now. For example, as looking at how and when irrigation takes place, understanding the opportunities to store more water in and around a site or course, and maybe even providing a, a link to local flood risk reduction as part of sustainable urban drainage systems. So please do get in touch uh, with us. We, if you have a story or a case study that you're proud of, if you really, you're really proud of what you do around water management already or you're keen to do more, please do get in touch. We would really, really love to hear from you. So the regional water groups have a challenge in front of them to look at the combination of water supply, natural environment and ecology and also flood resilience. We also have to look at the balancing act being performed by the water companies themselves and to provide us with some background from the water company's perspective we have Yolanda Nicholson and Andrew Tucker. The weather has been changing in the UK in recent years and it's not just a cliche the British public love to talk about the weather whether it's what's happening outside our windows right now extreme weather events or the changing climate of the future these are important topics of conversation for us all and golf clubs are no exception and there's certainly been a lot to talk about 
Over the past few years, the UK has been subject to huge extremes in weather. The winter of 2018-2019 was the third drier than average winter in a row for the southeast, which caused issues since winter rainfall is so vital to refill reservoirs and recharge groundwater. In 2018, we also experienced the beast from the east in February-March, and then fast forward a few months, and we had the hottest, driest summer on record. I'm sure you'll all remember the struggles faced by sectors during that summer, when temperatures stayed above 30 degrees for weeks. And in June, the southeast had just 5% of long-term average rainfall. And these challenges have certainly continued this year. Our most recent winter of 19 and 20 was actually one of the wettest ever. The UK had the wettest February on record, and three, na- three named storms hitting the UK and over 200% of long-term average rainfall that month. The winter months of December, January and February were both the fifth wettest on record and the fifth mildest. But we can go from one extreme to the other very, very quickly. The wet winter was good news for recharging the rivers and underground aquifers, but since then we've already had two dry months even before the summer hits. I'm sure the past winter, like the summer of 2018, brought some huge challenges for us all, including within the Gulf sector. The pattern of extreme weather will only become more common in the future, and new records will continue to be broken each year. For example, the 38 degree temperature we felt in the UK last July. So climate projections show winters will become milder and wetter, and summers will become hotter and drier. Rainfall could become less consistent across the year, so it's also it's important to capture and store the water while it's in abundance so you can continue irrigation during a prolonged hot dry period. More recently we've all been dealing with the challenges of the coronavirus crisis. Although this April recorded the most sunshine hours on record we've struggled to enjoy it as we've stayed at home in response to the pandemic. During both April and May the UK experienced the fifth driest spring on record and the sunniest spring on record This highlights the speed and severity of the changing weather patterns. While COVID-19 brings new challenges to individual golf businesses and the sector as a whole, the need to better manage water resources will remain a key priority long after social distancing restrictions are lifted. The southeast of England is classed as water stressed by the Environment Agency, or EA for short. While you might think the UK is quite wet and grey, our capital actually gets less rainfall on average than Rome, Sydney and Istanbul and pressure on water supplies will only increase, since UK population growth is fastest in the driest regions, such as the South East, London and East Anglia. It is vital the golf sector is planning now for for a changing climate, as as a golf course can't survive without water. But a sector-wide survey in 2019 established that most courses don't have a business resilience plan or a way to access water if their supply is interrupted, whether because of drought or problems with their local network. Water is a big vulnerability for the entire sector. So speaking of resilience, what should golf clubs include in their business resilience plans? A business resilience plan guides your company in responding to unexpected events and in returning to normal business with minimal disruption. They are really important for all organisations. For golf clubs, your plan should include key areas of your business. For example, the course, members, facilities and finances, among others. A crucial element of a resilience plan is your water supply and your process for continuing irrigation if your supply becomes restricted. But water is not always included in the club's plans, despite their reliance on regular and reliable access to water. To help you create or update your business resilience plan, maybe think about these questions. 
Do you currently rely solely on mains water for irrigation or can you access other water supplies? Do you have on-site storage, for example a reservoir, that can hold enough water for your irrigation needs for a minimum of two weeks? Are you confident your irrigation practices are as efficient as possible? Do you have access to daily accurate water meter readings broken down across all areas of your course and your clubhouse? Are you confident your golf course is leak free, such as no damaged irrigation pipes or leaky loos in the clubhouse? And do you have a plan for your business to adapt to a changing climate? For example, the increased risk of floods and droughts. A business resilience plan can help you ensure you always have enough water to continue irrigation through an unexpected event. Your club needs to safeguard against future climate change, including droughts and floods, as well as any other unforeseen events, for example, pandemics like COVID-19. Business resilience has never been more important. So what is the most common source of water used for irrigation? It's actually the public main supply. From the data available to us, we can see that most golf courses totally rely on potable water from the mains, and some data sets show that 50 to 75% of golf courses use potable water to irrigate. Some golf courses take water from the environment themselves, such as from surface water, from rivers and streams, and from groundwater via boreholes. This water is non-potable, which means it's not suitable for drinking, but can still be used for many purposes, including irrigation. Getting water this way is called abstraction, and you'll need an abstraction licence from the Environment Agency if you want to abstract over 20,000 litres per day. Abstracting your own water and treating it on site is more environmentally friendly, as mains water is abstracted in the same way by water companies, put through an extensive treatment process to bring it to world-class drinking standard, and then pumped back to you at your golf club. Another non-potable water source suitable for golf course irrigation is rainwater which can be captured relatively easily through rainwater harvesting. This means collecting water from roofs that would otherwise disappear down your drains. It's important to use as many sources as you can to protect your water supply, making the best use of available water resources and increasing your business resilience along the way. Harvesting rainwater and abstracting surface or groundwater will make your club more self-sufficient and reduce your reliance on mains water. It's important that you also have on-site water storage to secure your supply and make sure you've got water on hand for future dry periods. With droughts, the question isn't, will, it, that, will they ever happen? It's, when will they happen again? So being prepared is vital. We'd encourage golf courses to think about where their water comes from and start exploring alternative water sources if they haven't already done so. Is using top quality drinking water on grass and plants the best thing to do? No, it's probably not. Golf clubs shouldn't be reliant on mains water for their irrigation needs and clubs should explore all possible alternatives. There's plenty of help out there from water companies, from the Environment Agency and businesses like Environmental Solutions International. You might wonder if having on-site storage is the key to increasing resilience. The short answer is yes, it's really crucial. You can completely rely on mains water for irrigation. You're more at the mercy of external factors like the weather. You risk losing your supply during droughts and there's temporary use, use bans or at any other time from supply interruptions. Even if you have an abstraction license, you can still be told to stop abstracting your own water during dry periods. Having your own storage on site gives you water security with a ready supply at hand. You can continue irrigating using water from your own reservoirs and lakes, even when restrictions are in place, as this water is now yours 
On-site storage is really key to increasing resilience and maintaining your water supply through drought periods. So how do water companies respond if there's a drought? The government requires all water companies in England and Wales to have a drought plan. This sets out the actions the company expects to take to maintain essential supplies of water and protect the environment if there is a drought. Plans tend to include a variety of different measures, which might be used depending on upon the severity of the drought, such as a temporary use ban or campaigns to encourage customers to use less water. Restrictions are often brought in during a drought to reduce the peak demand, which in turn will reduce the total amount of water used. As well as temporary use bans, water companies can impose sprinkler and unattended hosepipe bans when needed. When a temporary use ban is in place, this means that, among other water use restrictions, Everyone in the relevant region is banned from watering a garden using a hosepipe or similar apparatus. And in, the ca- and in this case, the definition of garden extends to gardens open to the public, lawns and areas of grass used for sport and recreation. There are a few exceptions to temporary use ban restrictions, and these include using a hosepipe to water an area of grass used for sport or recreation, but only if it's required in connection with a national or international sports event or where drip or trickle irrigation systems are in place, fitted with a timer and a pressure-reducing valve. If the UK was faced with a severe drought and water companies had to put restrictions like this in place, would you be able to continue irrigation using another source of water? And if not, how long would your grass and turf last? Water resource availability is being challenged by weather extremes and the variability of that weather, plus a growing population which is demanding more water. These challenges will not be solved by just one wet winter. Moving away from potable water for irrigation is central to water resilience and planning for climate change is something that all clubs should be doing as a priority right now. So hopefully you found that podcast interesting. I would like to start off by thanking everybody who has made a contribution, taken the time to put the information together and provide this content. To those of you who are listening who have already completed your resilience planning, have found alternative supplies of water, have developed a reservoir, whatever it might be in terms of of the resilience planning that would work for your site, well done. We have gone through a similar process with all of our ESI clients. Our clients, again, are safe and protected. To the near 70% of golf clubs in England who are still completely reliant on mains water for irrigation, I think you need to do some very, very serious thinking. Your facility is at very great risk. If you have done nothing to look at the potential for alternative supplies for water, then you need to do so, and you need to do it now. If you're a course manager, get this podcast, take it to your general manager, committee member, however your club is structured, get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, sit down and listen to it together. Water resilience isn't a one-size-fits-all. A single project is not going to work and be able to be replicated at every single club. Every club is individual, but there is help available. We've heard that already. ESI can help you, and that's the first point of contact for you. We can then start the discussion. We can look at the alternatives. We can look at what you've already reviewed as a potential for alternative supply. We are working with golf and leisure facilities where we're looking at rainwater harvesting from roofs, from car parks. We are looking at the alternatives for grey water use post-filtration. 
and even treated effluent as alternative stocks. We've got clients who are taking road runoff to help offset flood risks and using reed bed systems to polish that into naturalised ponds. There are a number of different alternatives, but all of the alternatives will depend on you making contact with Environmental Solutions International. The best way to make contact with us is to call Tony Hansen, telephone number 07786 435010 or email me on thanks for listening and hopefully you found this interesting